High Vibe Nation is live. Welcome to the High Vibe Nation, where we have set out to raise the vibration of every human being on the planet. Your hosts on this journey are Sherry Gideons and Pamela Aubrey. So let's join them now in their current interview with a high vibing individual. Welcome to the High Vibe Nation, a revolution of love. It's time to rise and live your best life now. I'm your host, Sherry Gideons, and my co-host is Pamela Aubrey. Hello, everyone, and welcome. We are here with a very special guest tonight, Alex Sims-Clark. She is originally from Salt Lake City, Utah, and has been working in creative arts in Los Angeles since 2011 with some of the top entertainers in the world. And her work ethic has propelled her to become an accomplished writer, poet, model, successful business entrepreneur, and professional dancer. And she has gone on to create a clever series of 26 children's books using each letter of the English alphabet to teach characters. So welcome to the show, Alex. Thank you so much. I'm happy to be here. So great to have you. And we are so excited to learn more about what you've been up to. So as you know, on this show, we love to talk about being high vibe. So tell us what it means to you to be high vibe. Um, being high vibe is just really about radiating good energy to me. And I feel like just the word high in general kind of insinuates like an elevated world of, I think we all vibrate on certain frequencies, right? So people that vibrate up here, I think have a hard time kind of connecting with people that are down here, just because bridging the gap between those like certain frequencies can be exhausting sometimes, right? So I feel like it's easier to connect with people that are kind of on the same wavelength as you. Mm -hmm. And then if you operate from here, you can kind of meet in the middle and then it's up to you whether you kind of go up or down together. And then of course, the goal is always to get higher and to just live in this high vibe that kind of just exudes positivity and love and and greatness. So I just think that it's awesome what you guys are doing and just a kind of an escape for an hour to just share views on positivity and just how to kind of change the world. I think it's awesome. Oh my god. Love that. I love that. Oh wow. That that you know what? Out of all of the answers we've had for high vibe, that is absolutely one of my favorites. <laughs> Thank you. Wow, stop. <laughs> no, no, I'm serious. It. it really is. So start us out and tell us a little bit about I know you're living in LA right now and what's yes. going on with your <laughs> career in LA and how that's shaped you into where you are right now with with your new books. Yeah, so I've been in Los Angeles for almost 10 years now, which seems kind of crazy. Um, I moved out here straight out of high school and just chasing a dream. I moved out to become a professional dancer. So um, just as a person, you know, I grew up in Salt Lake City, Utah, which the difference between Utah and Los Angeles is pretty significant. <laughs> and yeah, so just um, and I'm very grateful for the way that I was raised in my upbringing because um, out here, you kind of need a good head on your shoulders in order to survive and to make it and not get eaten alive because, you know, Hollywood and in, in general is pretty crazy and intense and you kind of have to know who you are, or at least figure it out in order to last. So my journey out here has, you know, taught me so many things, especially about resiliency and perseverance because, I almost, you know, I've almost given up so many times, but had I given up, 
I would have never created this life that I have now. And I wouldn't have found the the joys and the success that I am so fortunate to have been able to experience. And I think all that just comes from, you know, learning, taking it day by day and learning that the lows make you appreciate the highs and really realizing that like you have to go through some stuff in order to truly appreciate all the good things in life. Well, that's really amazing. Tell us a little bit about some of the challenges that you have faced and how you've overcome those. So a lot of the time, I mean, moving out here, especially working in entertainment when your career isn't always necessarily in your own hands, I think mm -hmm. is really hard and you have to be able to not take things personally, which um, I've kind of learned now. So I started off just as a dancer and a performer, and then now I've kind of moved to the other side of the business where I'm able to um, hire dancers and I know what goes into like the casting process per se. So um, that aspect of <laughs> really learning that it's not about you all the time and it's not always um, like you not being enough, which can be really hard, you know, a hard pill to swallow as an 18 year old out here going to auditions and thinking that I gave it my best and why wasn't I good enough? Why didn't I make it? Like I know that I could be just as good as everybody on the job, but yet I still didn't make it. And having to go through that time and time again, because in Los Angeles, you get way more no's than you do yeses. It's literally like can be sometimes like a hundred to one. And then sometimes it's that one job that like takes your career off and then, you know, you build from there. But it the rejection aspect of entertainment can eat you alive if you let it. And so that's where I really had to develop a really strong sense of self-worth because you know, you really can feel like you're down in the dumps and really not worth anything when you keep getting rejected and turned down when this is everything you've ever wanted and you've worked so hard, but it's still not enough. So um, that lesson alone has really shaped me as a person and made me really strong and just had to discover who I truly am and who I want to be and where I am now and where I want to get to. And that just hard work pays off. And if you want it bad enough, you just literally have to do everything in your power to figure out your lane and find your lane and realize that what is for you is for you and what's not is not. And not everything is for you. And you just have to learn to accept that and keep it pushing and just figure out what's meant for you. What are some of the tools you used during this process? Because as you've said, I mean, I lived in LA myself and, you know, I was in the professional bodybuilding and fitness industry. And of course, Ooh. I judged myself on the same sort of things that you're talking about. Mm -hmm. And I know that there's, there's tools that I always went to when I was struggling in some of those do lowest moments in my head. And it sounds like you had a really good foundation growing up with your parents who were very supportive of you. What are some of the yeah. tools that you use um, from, you know, from growing up and even what, what you might have learned now to help you stay up there and uh, stay in that positive mindset? Yeah, so I could give all the credit in the world to my wonderful parents because um I don't know if you're familiar with my dad. He's actually a motivational speaker. So growing up with those kind of core values of just believing in yourself and all the things that I was taught from a really young age really resonated with me. But then sometimes, I mean, no matter how strong you are, it is still really difficult sometimes to make it through and to get 
get out of bed sometimes, you know? So I, my outlet in general is just art. I am like a weird art freak. I never watch TV. I always just either I'm writing poems, I'm drawing, I am playing the piano. I'm doing all of these things that kind of ease my mind. And I think writing for me has been that creative outlet that you know, I'm a thinker, so I overthink everything. I'm sitting in bed just thinking of things. So poetry in specific is something that's given me the tool to kind of make sense of all my crazy thoughts and make them into something beautiful. And it helps me really make sense of what I'm going through. And then to be able to read that weeks or years down the road to be like, oh, wow, that's where I was. And this is how far I've come. And like, that was just a moment. And we all can get through this moment because, you know, sometimes you really do feel like you're never going to make it through this specific moment that's so hard. And then living through it and then reflecting on it back. I just think like I have have thousands of poems in my archives because I've just always been like this little closet poet and just write about everything. So yeah, I think poetry and just writing in general is like a great outlet for me. Oh, I love that. That's so awesome. That's really beautiful. And I've, I've written poetry a lot of my life and I, I can really relate to that. I mean, I think it's kind of a unique outlet in some senses. Um, you know, it just really does. It allows you to express yourself in a way that you don't otherwise. And right. so that's really amazing, which I'm guessing is sort of what led you to some of your writing as well. So can you talk a little bit about that journey? Yeah. So um, my children's books in specific, I remember like the exact time and place that I wrote the first one. Um, it was in my old apartment. Um, I started it about seven years ago and I just kind of was in this rhythm. I go through phases of my poetry of like what I want to do. Sometimes I rhyme, sometimes I don't. And this specific phase I was in, I was just really into the like nursery rhyme kind of cadence. And so I remember I was on my couch and I just started writing. I don't even remember why my first book was actually my A book um, called Awkward Angelfish, but it was just angelfish at that point. And I just thought of this, this fish and just created this like story around it. And then I kind of started in the middle. I got the tagline and then I kind of built it backwards. And I remember right after I wrote it, I called my parents and I was like, you guys, I just wrote a story. Like I wrote this, I wrote this thing. I think it's like, it's kind of cute. It's a poem, but it's like, it could be like a book. And I remember my mom was like, well, you should, you should illustrate it. You should really like make it into a book because you like to draw. And I was like, oh yeah, that could be kind of fun. And then the next day I remember my roommate was wearing a Mickey Mouse shirt. <laughs> and then I was like, hmm, a mouse. Like there was once a little mischievous mouse. And I just started like, I started from there and yes, Age of Fish. <laughs> and then, yeah, I just started like, I picked different animals and it was just a really fun um, kind of phase that I was in. I was traveling a lot at the time. And so I had a lot of time on my hands to like write and, and just explore those things. So I just started picking different animals and just writing these little stories about them. And then I was just like, what if I did, because every letter of the alphabet, because all of them kind of had like a different letter. And then I was just like, yeah, I'm going to do it. So I'm going to write a whole children's series. And then I wrote 26 of them. <laughs> so fun. That is very fun. How do, you know, so I love, I just love how, you know, the top or the, the names of your books 
are, you know, all about courage and all about, you know, like you said, um, the, the angelfish, awkward angelfish and bla baby bluebird. How do those books, you know, work in what's happening in our current times right now? You know, what's interesting is I wrote these books so long ago, but the like timing of when I've published them has been pretty spot on with like the times really? of what's <laughs> I know it's been kind of like, oh, that's interesting. Um, high vibe, you know what I mean? I, know, I like it. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, Baby Bluebird in specific, that was the second one um, I published. That one dropped in January, and then that one's all about resiliency and perseverance. And then, woo, yeah. <laughs> I love that so you're cute. <laughs> um, but yeah, Baby Bluebird in specific is about perseverance and resiliency. And then this whole COVID-19 pandemic happened. And so it was very fitting with the times because, you know, this has been a tragedy for so many people. This has been probably the hardest year that many people, at least in my generation, have ever experienced. And I was in a phase where, you know, I've been in LA for 10 years, so I've been working really hard towards my career. And I feel like I finally got to the place that I've always wanted to be. I was traveling the world. I literally went around the world like three times since October. Like I was never here. I finally got to this point where I felt like I had like all of my hard work was finally coming to fruition. And three three days after I was actually supposed to be working overseas in London for like two months and three days after we got there, um, Trump put the travel ban on the United States. So we had to go home and then everything was canceled. So it was kind of a really hard pill to swallow for me at the time. And then I can't even imagine what other people were going through at the same time. So this book that I had about resiliency and perseverance, yes, it's a children's book, but it's so relevant to kind of all ages and everybody that's going through this pandemic in the world. So yeah, that one kind of was targeted to that one. And then Courageous Cat is actually about diversity and inclusion. And I published that one. Yes, I love this visual representation. Also super cute. <laughs> um, but yeah, Courageous Cat is about diversity and inclusion. And then I published that one a few months ago. And then this whole um, issue about racism and bringing, you know, social injustice and all of these things back into the highlight of kind of what's going on in the world. It just was very fitting to the times. And I think I wrote it to be a conversation starter in the homes about these important topics. And a lot of people were looking for resources currently to, you know, be able to have these hard or uncomfortable conversations. So it's just kind of interesting timing that it had already been published. And then now it's just in the world. <laughs> That's so amazing. So what are your plans with the books? And you know, what kind of philanthropic work have you done so far with some of these? So with Baby Bluebird, that was the first one that I had the idea. So um, as I mentioned, I had flown home right before or right as this pandemic happened. And so um, I actually went home to Utah to spend time with my parents um, during this pandemic. So when I landed, I remember watching the news and seeing them talk about children not being able to be fed properly and not having the resources to, 
you know, have education at home when they were all sent home from school. And it just broke my heart. And I was like, how do I help? And, you know, there's ways you can donate and whatnot, but these kids not having resources at home or books or education to continue throughout the rest of the school year even, and then throughout the summer and potentially next year. Um, it was a it was a cool experience because I was talking to my parents about it, of course, and my dad had just recently interviewed a woman named Michelle Benedict who works at the USANA Kids Eat Foundation, and they put together these pantry bags for kids who um, did rely on the school lunches. And so he was like, I could reach out to her and see if she would be interested in putting these books in the bags. And I was like, absolutely, let's do that. Let's so do it. <laughs> we did that. And then um, we had to figure out how we were going to get them printed. And so um, a bunch of dots connected and led us to this company called North Star Printing and this woman named Mary, who is an angel. And she helped with the whole process. So we were able to donate 5,000 copies to be placed in these pantry bags to go home with the kids. Um, so that was the kind of first adventure. And then, I mean, to be honest, the purpose of writing these books in the first place was just to like spread awareness and to like help have these conversations in the home. And so it's never been like, uh, a way to make money or anything like that. It's more so just to like spread love and give back. And so with Courageous Cat, um, I have pledged to donate 100% of the proceeds and profits no matter from now until the end of time um, to Black Lives Matter because it is a mm. diversity and inclusion book. And so anybody that purchases it to help start these conversations, um, I'll just always pay it forward and pay it back to Black Lives Matter. Mm -hmm. And I love that. I love that in the book, how you talk about, you know, how the cat was covered in spots who appeared black and white, but had colorful thoughts <laughs> and just how it just, I mean, it's such a beautiful illustration. Like I love how some of the illustrations are. Thank here. you. And you, you know, know, my illustrator, my illustrator was another one that she was like a little hidden gem. I just found her one day on Instagram. She didn't have like a following by any means, but she's from Russia and she just happened to speak perfect English. And it's been oh, wow. like best collaboration because she just like understands it and brings it to life. <laughs> Oh, that's so wonderful. Yeah, and I just love how you bring out, you know, kind of just the fact that there's beauty in color, you know, there's beauty in variation. And that's what makes the world what it is and, and makes it something to celebrate. 100%. I thought it so, would be a fun thing to do real quick if, if you had... Um, if you had your book with you, if maybe you would like to read one of the books because they're so, I mean, they're short, but they're so perfectly spoken. Of course. Um, should I read Courageous Cat since it's the yeah, most Yeah, I think it's so perfect. Perfect. Okay. Should I show the illustrations or just read it? Yeah, <laughs> yes. We have to see the pictures. Okay. Uh -huh. Get situated. There you go. There once was a cat all covered in spots who appeared black and white but had colorful thoughts. While this cat was at school learning numbers and math, he loved making friends with all cats in his class. One day a challenge arose at his school, so his teacher stood up to explain all the rules. 
Get with a group made of three cats plus two, but all five group members must look just like you. Please be creative for this fun occasion and find a new way to solve this equation. This spotted cat sat confused and distraught by the rules of this challenge and what's being taught. These groups didn't make any sense to this cat, for everyone's different, not all white and black. So he raised his paw with a question in mind and then asked his teacher, are you colorblind? Brown cat is creative and blue cat loves math. Red cat loves science and green cat thinks fast. If we use our talents and all get involved, there's not one equation that we couldn't solve. His teacher paused hearing what was discussed. This cat had a point, it was time to adjust. She then changed the rules and scrambled the colors, encouraging all cats to work with each other. These cats won the challenge and to no surprise, they realized they're all the same color inside. So to all little cats, please be courageous. Feel free to speak up, being kind is contagious. No matter your culture, your color or size, we're stronger together, there's no compromise. Let's all be inclusive each day of the week. Diversity is what makes the world so unique. Mm. Beautiful. Thanks. And you're absolutely right. The, the timing is perfect because really the message of unity is needed now as much as ever. Right. Okay. Well, obviously character is one of the main topics that you teach in some of your books. So, you know, why do you feel like you have sort of credibility, I guess, to speak to that topic? You know, with children nowadays, I feel like, um, as I mentioned, like strong core values, I think are really important, just moving forward in life and how you kind of you navigate it. Oh, I just echoed. Um, but character, I feel like, is taking responsibility for not only your actions, but also your intentions. Mm -hmm. And I think that that is something that I pride myself on is my intentions of, you know, of karma. I think that when you, when you give good, you receive good, right? And mm -hmm. just energy in general. And I think that character building is based on how you perceive the world and how the, per the world perceives you. So and teaching children, I just think there's beauty in youth teaching youth and not, I'm not necessarily youth anymore because I'm almost 28, <laughs> but right. I just think like, You're youth. <laughs> <laughs> but I think that it's easier to relate to children when you're kind of in this age group where we're like the gap between, you know, the parents and, and the kids. And it's easier to relate to people that are kind of going through the same things because while yes, I'm older than, you know, youth per se, I'm still growing in this generation and in these times that are really hard to kind of navigate. And so being in the, in the work field and in this town and in just with all of the traveling and different cultures that I've experienced, I feel like those traits have really helped me bring my own character to life and, learning about different people and hearing different people's opinions and then being able to really research and form my own opinion has been really great for me and helped me build my character tremendously. Mm, I love that. So 
I love that you're moving into this whole direction of really creating this foundation for children and then, you know, setting the stage for them to grow through, you know, the next 10, 15, even 20 years of their lives. You know, what are your plans for teaching people or children to find balance and to tap into positivity with these books? Well, you know, I think with the youth, it's so important because that's literally we're we're shaping a new generation, right? It's mm-hmm. we've all heard the term that it's hard to teach an old dog new tricks. Mm-hmm. And knowing that you know, there's not much you can do to educate people who already have their very strong opinions, but we literally have the tools and the resources to be able to shape the next generation of leaders is what, and that's what we need in order to change the world. You have to create this environment for where people feel comfortable to speak up and to use their voices and to really use their platform to to change their own world so that they can change the entire world, you know? So Mm -hmm. I just think this platform of books and my goal of trying to, to touch these lives. And I mean, a lot of the kids who get them can't even read yet. So it's really up to the parents. Right. Mm -hmm. And giving them this tool. I mean, it's by no means a, a history book or a, you know, a Bible of how to do anything. It's just like a fun tool of engagement to help them initiate the conversation in their own home. And I just firmly believe that it's hard. Like, how do you expect to be able to have hard conversations with with a stranger if you can't even have hard conversations with the people around you? Mm -hmm. So, and that one's just on diversity and inclusion, but in perseverance and in believing in yourself and all these other important topics, those are the kind of things that, we need to be teaching and that this tool can just help you initiate. And, you know, I wrote it in a fun rhymey way because I feel like those are the kind of things that stick with me. Like I remember, it's so funny. Um, The other day at my friend's birthday, I was just at, we started playing this game called categories and it's a game where it's so fun. Right. And you, you mention a category and then you have to go around the room and say something that fits in that category as fast as you can. And the topic that came up was the United States president. And everyone was kind of like, I haven't thought about that since I was in like second grade. And I immediately (laughs) remembered and recalled this song that I learned probably in like second grade of all the presidents. And I was like, yeah, I'm about to roast all these people (laughs) just because of that. And so I could list off all of these presidents because of a song that I learned. And so I think to me, the like rhyming and like poetic form of it really makes it stick and ingrain in your brain. So if you can read these out loud and you have these taglines that the kids will remember because they rhyme, I just think there's so much beauty and strength in that alone. So I think that's, makes it kind of fun. (laughs) Absolutely. So all the things that you're kind of working on and forecasting right now, what are you sort of looking forward to the most? Um, I think I have, I'm really excited to just continue to release all of the books because, um, at least with the last two, I haven't quite figured out the like philanthropic aspect for Angelfish yet, but it's been really fun because all of the topics of the books are important issues. Like I have, some of them are on learning respect or sharing or waiting your turn in line or gratitude, just all of these things that you know, our important qualities. So I just am looking forward to releasing them and seeing, 
you know, which ones are released and then what happens in the world because I seem to be pretty, you know, in tune. <laughs> but um, yeah, I'm just excited to see like what else I can do with them and how many more lives I can hopefully touch and just spread some love. That's fantastic. <laughs> Let's let's delve. You you hit the nail on the head for me with that one. You said in tune, and that was like, Jerry, high vibing. We vibing. Yeah, baby. My goodness. So let's talk about what you do to tap in and get in tune inside yourself to bring these through, to bring information and such amazing topics through you that obviously now are being spread out into the world in, in an amazing way in a dynamic time. Um, so it's kind of interesting. My, like my best time of writing is when I exercise. And so mm -hmm. I remember I went through this whole phase of being like super obsessed with core power yoga. <laughs> and wow. it was actually in the process of me writing these books. I just remember, so I'm always like that weird guy in the back that like wears a hoodie so I sweat as much as possible. And I'm just in the <laughs> back of the room. And I would be sitting there like in warrior two and just have this like flood of inspiration come through me. And I would start just like mm -hmm. writing a whole thing. And so I would run to the bathroom and like write it down in my notes super quick and then run back to class and that went on for like two months like I wrote probably like six of my best books in core power wow. yoga. <laughs> really? I just find a lot of I mean I don't know if it's just because you know the endorphins are flowing and I just like feel good and then it just kind of ignites some sort of I don't know positivity within myself so that it kind of brings the inspiration but yeah, what about you guys? How do you guys find inspiration? Wow, that's, <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say, that's a big question, a long answer. But I did wanna ask you, you know, what, so along those lines, you know, what, how much time do you spend, you know, kind of focusing on your writing? Is it, you know, do you have a structure around that? Or is it really a lot of it, does it just come to you sort of as inspiration? Um, it really is, like I said, my creative outlet. So I write more often than not. I don't really, my wind down isn't really like a watch TV and go to bed. I really just kind of enjoy listening to music and writing my thoughts. I'm like obsessed with jazz music. <laughs> just like an old man. Um, but yeah, I just, um, so it, I mean, as I mentioned, I, I write all the time. So I have thousands of, of poems and whatnot. So if I kind of hone in or get the inspiration for another book or just a specific topic, I just kind of run with it because I've found when I try to force things or, you know, try to write about certain things, I get stuck and writer's block is real. But when it's just <laughs> free flowing and it's just comes from inspiration, it just happens pretty naturally. So. Wow. I like that's that. beautiful. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I'm always like, now that we're at this time when there's, you know, really your books are speaking this message of diversity and inclusion, what's your vision? Do you have a vision to create a movement to impact the youth? I mean, on the bigger scheme, the bigger picture, do you have a plan to create something, you know, crazily big for it? You know, at this point, it's really just about extending the resource and putting out the information. I don't really have 
um, the platform to like make some huge impact. But I think mm -hmm. the most important way that we're kind of taking responsibility for what's happening and in our own circles, I think that that's where I shine and how I use my voice is through my writing and just providing the resource. So I think it, like I said, it's, it's can be hard for people to initiate these conversations. And I think there's so much valuable information kind of circling the internet and circulating around right now. All you have to do is read it and then form your own opinion about it and then kind of internalize it and be able to express and teach what you're learning and what you're reading. So at that point, it's really up to the parents and the people that are receiving the books to do their own research and, and find their own opinion about everything that's going on. Because mm -hmm. I mean, how do you expect to teach something that you're not educated in? That's just kind of setting yourself up. So I just think we live in a time now where ignorance is no longer acceptable mm -hmm. and we need to educate ourselves so that we can then educate our kids and the people around us in our inner circles. So I think game, I mean, I think life, at this point is kind of a game of telephone. It's you say something or you have a vibe, right? And then the people around you are gonna feed off of that and then they take it to their people and they take it to their people. So as long as you're radiating great energy and you're creating things that have an impact, then the people that are around you will just kind of spread like wildfire. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So what are some of the funnest experiences you've had since you published these books? Do you have any stories of, you know, people who have received them or, you know, just something that kind of has has stuck with you through this experience as a highlight? You know, I really value the just personal messages that I get from people or like the DMs or the emails that I receive um, just kind of you know, thanking me for the resource, just because even with this last book in particular, you know, I think, as I mentioned, it can be a very uncomfortable topic for some people. And so even to just provide some sort of light to the situation and make it a positive instead of a negative, because right now it's really easy to get caught up in the negativity that's around, but turning it into a positive, I think just the feedback from that alone has been super rewarding. And just seeing how it's been perceived and just the the philanthropic side, you know, knowing that my intentions of giving back is just from the, like the deepest part of my soul and knowing that it's being received that way is like the most reward I could ask for. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I, completely, I completely agree with that. And do you find yourself wanting to get more involved in specific conversations around diversity or inclusion? Or do you find yourself wanting to just be like, as you said earlier, radiating that intention of love and light and positivity and allowing yourself just to kind of like show up maybe in someone's life in the moment and then talk about your books from that perspective? Yeah, I think, I mean, I've definitely taken it in upon myself um, through this whole movement and just in general, because the culture that I'm a part of within the dance community and within just music in general is very deep rooted with black culture. And so it's something that I've always felt really strongly about. And I think that in my own internal circles, um, it's definitely a conversation that's been at the forefront in the past couple of weeks. And I think it's super important. And so I'm very comfortable speaking about this topic because it's something that I feel passionately about. And so I think, as I mentioned, it, it starts with your inner circle and then it kind of spreads like wildfire. So I think 
in my own circles, the conversations have been great, but then my way of reaching other people at this point is just through my books and through my writing. And I hope to, you know, share my views on it in that way. And then of course I'm open to discussing and talking further. And I love hearing other people's opinions. I love hearing opposing opinions because it just, you know, strengthens my vocabulary and all matters. And then it makes me be able to form even a stronger opinion about certain things. And I think the education aspect of everything is so important so that you can engage. So educating yourself as to what's happening and what has happened can only provide you with better information to be able to engage in these hard conversations. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. It's really beautiful. And going back to what we were kind of talking about earlier in regards to that, it's just this idea of unity. And I think, you know, it's really a powerful concept. And it seems like kids generally kind of get the concept. Mm -hmm. But what I kind of love is that your books, I mean, like you said, your pa the parents are going to have to read the books mm -hmm. <laughs> largely oh, to the kids. Yeah. And so yeah. it helps to engage them in that conversation, too. So I'm just curious. I mean, are you having conversations with people now around that topic because of the timing and because of these books? Yeah, absolutely. And as I mentioned, I mean, being in the community that I'm in, these conversations have been happening, but now it's just more of a social awareness that's being created. So, um, yeah, I mean, and a lot of the people that are close to me don't really have children. <laughs> so the books aren't as necessarily as relevant. They will buy them and then they read it and they're like, wow, I love this. And they give it to somebody that they know just to support the movement and everything. But um, yeah, I think the conversations that are happening just in general right now are just important and need to be need to be had. <laughs> mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, I think a lot of it has to do too with the language that you know, the language that's being used and the willingness to stop and listen, because, you know, in any level, you know, because we could say, oh, we don't see color. We're all one because that's my belief. My belief is we are all one. But on a deeper level, you know, I, I was speaking to you briefly about it, how I ended up when I was 18 years old, being the only white woman on an all African-American fire team. And one of the things that I learned so much from that was just listening, listening to the way people thought, listening to their feelings, even listening to, like you said earlier, their culture and their history. And I never, to be honest with you, I never once was treated like I was anything but part of the family, <laughs> you right. know? Mm -hmm. And I think that comes with just the level of knowing that you'll never understand, but hearing them and hearing these experiences that you know you're never going to have to go through. And there's really no level of empathy that you can kind of try to relate to because, as I said, you're never going to experience it. So I just think that, yeah, it's important to, as you said, listen and just be engaged and be involved and just find ways to help. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. And, you know, it's interesting. I One of the things that I think a lot of people have kind of been experiencing too lately is a little bit of fear around the conversation, you know, which is why I was asking if, you know, you were having conversations with people, maybe not immediately in your circle, but just around the books. And I think it's great. I think it's really amazing that you've been able to not only have those conversations with people, but then bring this resource. And so what are, what, what do you think are some of the ways that, you know, parents can kind of have some of these conversations with kids that maybe aren't, you know, maybe they're a little bit older, so that the books may not be right at their age level, or they're a little bit younger and may not understand some of these concepts, but still it's important to have those conversations. Um, I think that comes with just practicing. And as you said, there's a lot of fear behind it, especially not wanting to say the wrong thing, especially when, yes, the kids are older and they understand more. But I think that's where personal responsibility comes in to educate yourself and know what you're teaching, right? Because you can't expect to teach things that you don't understand yourself. And that's where practicing in your inner circles, because of course, you're going to say some dumb stuff sometimes you're going to, but if you're around the people that love you and are confident enough to correct you and be like, actually, no, this is what it is, look it up, like these are the facts, then that's where the healthy conversation happens within your own people and people either, you know, of your same age or whatever. So then you can relay the proper messages to your kids and you know that you're teaching them not only how you feel about it, but hard facts so that they can develop their own opinions on it. Because I think that's the beauty in kids getting older. It's like, I respect my parents' opinions tenfold, but at the end of the day, I don't always agree with everything they say and I have my own opinion about things. And so, yeah, it just goes back to educating yourself on the topics that you want to teach. Mm -hmm. You know, I absolutely love that you said that because I have 15 and a half year old twins and they're my greatest teachers. Mm. We, we instilled them in them a foundation of, of sharing your truth in, in, in speaking up mm. and also for, you know, sharing things that we may not understand. Mm. And so I read your books, like when they first showed up the, you know, I had one show up first and I said, they said, what's that? And I, you know, pulled it out and I, I read it and they're like, spot on, you know, <laughs> spot on. Yeah. And, oh, but, and then the next two came and I took the time to read them. And, you know, Weldon was saying here just a little bit ago, he was saying, we need to get back to reading to our kids and teaching as we go. And, and it made me think of the fact that even though they were children's books, I took the time to read them to the girls and they listened and they said, you know, spot on, because that's what's happening. It, like my girls, they go to a school that's primarily African-American and Hispanic mm -hmm. and their, their um, father is Norwegian. So obviously they've got white blonde hair and they stick out like a little sore, sore thumb, mm -hmm. but they adore all their friends and their friends mm -hmm. all adore them. And they talk about these kind of things openly. Well, that's where I think there's just so much beauty in diversity and in learning other people's culture. And that's honestly the thing I'm grateful the most is 
the amount that I've actually been able to travel because I've been able to see not only experience other people's cultures, but their way of life. And it's so opposite than how I grew up. And that's where you form of like, oh, what am I actually interested in? Like I have friends that introduce me to new music that's from their culture. Like I have a lot of Latin friends and they'll play me this music that I just like love. And I'm like, oh, wow, I would have never heard that if I wasn't exposed to it. And you can't be exposed to it if you're not embracing everybody's differences and different cultures and just different things. So I think that's great. And the more that you can be exposed to, the more you yourself can grow. And that's just an element of personal growth that you wouldn't get from surrounding yourself with all like-minded people, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And kind of to Weldon's point too, I think, you know, this is really, it's an opportunity for parents to take that time with their kids. And, you know, it is kind of a lost art, I feel like in some ways, you know, reading to our kids because we've got all this technology now. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's easy to just like sit in front of the TV or, you know, sit in front of the iPad. And so when you were writing these books, I mean, did you kind of have a vision for that? Yeah, I mean, as I mentioned, I growing up just really related to the rhythmic rhyme. I was obsessed with Dr. Seuss and just the pairing a song to kind of anything that I was learning always helped me understand it better. So I think these topics being how important that they are, I think just when I was writing them, making it like fun to learn was really the the main goal. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Love it. Well, crazy busy schedule too with the entertainment industry how do you find balance I mean how do you find balance and that that solitude time for yourself to where you can write I mean do you have time to write right now yeah well as I mentioned it's a really great like wind down and then when you have time on planes and I travel so much that it you know, it's just a great way to kind of pass the time on long flights. And it's an easy way to kind of sift through thoughts and emotions and the roller coaster that you constantly go through in entertainment and in any field. I mean, everybody in their workspace, I'm sure goes like this all the time. So yeah, I do still find a lot of time even when I'm at my busiest, just because it's always been kind of a a priority and an outlet. So you make time for things that are important to you. Do you have a favorite type of writing? Um, No, I mean, poetry. It's like I find myself, especially nowadays, because I get in that cadence. I find myself, um, I do love to rhyme. And so that's kind of my my style at this point. Sure, yeah. yeah well, and it feeds in well, so. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, and the openness, too. I mean, just from having this conversation with you, it sounds like you're very grounded. And at the same time, extremely open. And I know for myself, because I'm such an open person and you just saying that you like things to rhyme, I find myself visually looking all the time, all around me, outside, I'll look in the store, anywhere I'm at, I see myself open to look Mm -hmm. and I'll see things that speak to me on street signs or a message in that way that will come to me. And and I have my iPhone. So I speak into my dog on iPhone because I don't want to miss a moment of these things that I feel like need to be talked to other people about, you know, I'm like over here, that that sign today said, just believe in yourself, you know, or wait a minute, you have not been forgotten. You can, (laughs) you can give a message, you know, or you can make a difference. You know what I'm, in my, in my, do you do that too? 
Yeah, I actually, a few weeks ago, I was just sitting in my friend's backyard and I decided to kind of embody the things that I saw. So I wrote this whole series and I started, my first one was, I am a cactus. And then I went into, I am a palm tree. And I went into, I am a turtle and I am a cloud. And I just tried to, it's a really fun uh, experiment and just exercise for me to kind of speak from other people's perspectives and, or other things perspectives. And so just like, visualizing myself as a cactus and then like relating that to like everyday life. I just think those kind of things um, really kind of keep me on my toes and keep me in check of like just empathy in general of, you know, obviously I'm not empathizing with a cactus, but like if I were a cactus and I have things that are prickly, it's like it was, I am a cactus. Um, you look, but can't touch. I'm pretty, but prickly. You'll love me too much. If you let yourself go there, I will leave a mark and then you'll bleed and you're hurt all the way to your heart or something like that. <laughs> and it was like, so like, like uh, I was a cactus. <laughs> so I just think those are really fun. And experiments. You, can, you can feel the rhythm of, that when you're saying it you know <laughs> yeah, just like finding inspiration and in, like the dumbest things can just like brighten your day and just like i don't know turn things around so it's a fun thing absolutely well so did you even study writing at any point or was it just you love to read and then that translated into writing as well since you obviously have a penchant for poetry um I did love English in high school, but I didn't even go to college. I just moved out here and, you know, I was like, I'm going to give myself a year. And then if it doesn't work out, I'll come back and go to school. And then 10 years later, here we are. So um, I just haven't had the need for college yet. So yeah, I never studied it. It's always just been something that's kind of personally ingrained in me and, and I've just enjoyed. And I think that's what brings the light out in my books is that it does just come from like a place of, of joy and it's not forced because it's like I don't have to do it nobody told me to write a children's book I just wrote all these books because I wanted to and I just think there's there's a lot of beauty in that and even with what's going on with the times it's like like I said these come out before all these issues happen so it just like feels a little a little meant to be if if I could say show myself yeah <laughs> yeah well, you know what Weldon said here? He Did you read this earlier? He said, rhythmic rhyme. That's what I would, wanted to say. Kids really respond to that today. And I heard that when you were just saying that. It was the fun of it I heard. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think, I mean, as I mentioned, all of the things that I recall from being a kid were all the things that they did pair with the rhythmic rhyme and the nursery rhyme aspect of, of things. So being able to teach important topics with a fun twist to it makes all the difference in the world, especially to a kid. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, I was actually gonna uh, remark on Sherry's comment as well, because I thought this was really fun. And, you know, she's talking about her daughter being exposed to people as they've traveled as well. I mean, that really is, you know, it, and reading, I think, does that in some ways too. I mean, I remember as a kid, reading was always like my escape. It was like I could go to all these different worlds, all these different places, have all these different experiences just by opening a book. Absolutely. And yeah, and just being able to to give that to people. I mean, what does that feel like? To what? I'm sorry? To give that to people through your writing. Oh. What does that feel like? Yeah, I mean, it. it's so rewarding because 
as I said, these these topics are so important and then giving people an escape or a tool or whatever it is to just kind of relate to these like fun little animals and they're like, oh, the baby bluebird fell out of his tree but then he got back up and go again and, and now he soars at the tops of the sky and one day he, you know, whatever the case may be, it's just mm -hmm. like relate right. to these fun things. It's like why we love cartoons. It's like the beauty mm -hmm. in these fictional characters that like make something of themselves and make kids think that, oh, I can do that too because they did it. I just think there's a lot of, there's a lot of beauty in that. Absolutely, yeah, so amazing. Yeah, and really allowing kids to kind of tap into their own spirit. Mm -hmm. Yes, for sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because that's exact, when I very first read the, the Baby Bluebird one too, I felt like it was, it was almost like a shedding of you know those parts of ourself where we think that we can't do something or you know like if we want to go on a journey or we want to go on a, a a quest i remember my mother you know when i was little she used to say oh you know that's too big of thinking that's too grandiose of thinking mm -hmm. and i and i used to and, and i know that that happens with so many children that you know they're conditioned by these certain ways of belief and they, and they go into that belief system of limited thinking, and they think that the simplest, smallest little things they can't do. And I love when I read the Baby Bluebird book, how it's like, you know, the littlest bird set out on a quest. He stepped all the way to the edge of his nest. And it's like, it made me think of leaping off the mountain, leaping off breaking through the glass ceiling in yourself and realizing there's never been any limits. There's no limits. You have this unlimited life, this unlimited anything that mm -hmm. you can imagine. Well, and that's where I have to give so much credit to my parents because not only did they provide the resources for me to be able to chase my dreams and, you know, have all like develop all my talents and skills to then be able to use to chase my dreams, but they also taught me that no dream is too small and I can literally do anything I want. And if I didn't believe in myself in those ways and know that the dreams and the crazy goals that I had were achievable, then I wouldn't be where I am today. And I would have been okay with giving up all those times that I wanted to. And had I given up, I would never have found the success that I've found. And I would have never been become this person that I'm so proud of because I gave up on myself. And I just think that that isn't always taught in a lot of homes. And so this little resource that you can read over and over again, can become some sort of like an affirmation almost to where it's like, oh, I, I can do anything I want. I can chase my dreams and believe in myself. And I can find success in that. And that's where I have loved being able to take that upon myself as being, you know, the author of these books and being kind of uh, an example of that of hey I I started here and just from chasing my own dreams and and working hard and persevering and getting through things and being a good human being and you know including everybody I have reached some level of success that I'm proud of and I just think that that message alone can be so valuable to any child from anywhere in the world because it doesn't matter where you come from you can achieve anything you set your mind to. Mm -hmm. That's really amazing. Now, I know this is kind of a trick question for a writer, but do you have a favorite of all the books? Um, 
I gotta say baby bluebird, I think, just because yeah, that message is so dear and true to my heart. And like I said, if I didn't have the tools of resiliency and perseverance, I would not be where I am today and I would not have experienced all the crazy things in life. So that yeah, I think that's my favorite. <laughs> Love it. That's awesome. that's awesome. So what's next? I mean, what's next for you? What's next for Alex? Well, um, because I do have these three books published, I do have hopes in doing some sort of charity with all of them. I want to figure out some way of, you know, giving back and then just publish the rest of them. I'm excited for the rest of them to come out. I'll probably kind of slow release them so people don't get like overwhelmed with <laughs> with my little animal books. Um, uh, no, uh, no. <laughs> you know, in due time, they'll all come out. So, and it's a fun project to kind of like have the anticipation of like what the next one's going to be about, what the next topic is and just kind of exploring that. So yeah, I'm excited for the next phase of what I can do and who I can reach just with my little books. That's fantastic. Very exciting. Absolutely. And, and listen, I, I'm, you know, in my fifties and I looked at these books and treasured them. I mean, I love that I have all the I know. I love it. I love that. All three. Well, and admittedly, I, as the writer myself, children's books are, are still far and away some of my favorite books. I agree. And, and they really are. They're just so universal. You know, yeah. they just speak to humanity. I love it. That's right. That's right. So share with our audience how they can get a hold of you, how they can purchase your books. Do you have a website? Yeah. So right now, um, I, the domain was a little bit messed up, but it's Alexandria's book club. And right now, because I geared the movement towards courageous cat, that's the only one that's on there currently, but in the next week or so, I will have all three books up on that. Um, so it's Alexandria's book club.com. And, but for now you can buy them on Amazon and just, if you Google Alexandria Sims with an EA Alexandria, um, you can find all three of them on Amazon right now. And any other way to get a hold of you? And then you can also email Alexandria's book club at gmail.com. And yeah, I can answer any questions or yeah, tell you how to buy the books in the future. Spectacular. Any, any last words you want to leave our audience with a lasting message? <laughs> no, I'm just really grateful for you guys. Thank you for bringing me on here and just allowing me to kind of share my journey and my message. And thank you for supporting my books. I just really appreciate it. Such a joy to have you here. And thank you to all of our listeners, as always, for being here. We greatly appreciate you. Lots of love going out to all of you. Thank you for sharing this out to everyone. And lots of love going out to you as well, Alex. Thank you so much. Yes, lots of love to you. And thank you again, all of our listeners and audience. We absolutely value you. We, we honor each and every one of you for the support that you give us each week on the show. Please share this out with all of your viewers, your profile. You can find us on the web at www.thehighvivenation.com, on Instagram at The High Vibe Nation, on our Facebook page at The High Vibe Nation, and on YouTube, The High Vibe Nation. 
We want to thank you so much for being here with us this week. And until Wednesday evening at 5 o'clock p.m., I want you all to have an amazing rest of the night. Bye now. From everybody here at the High Vibe Nation, we want to say thank you for choosing to raise your vibration. And of course, please like, share, and subscribe. If you need to find us on the web, check us out at www.thehighvibenation.com. Looking forward to seeing you on the next episode and keep high vibing.